0: What's going on? Welcome to The Land Podcast. This is Jake Hofer. And this week we have a great episode with my buddy Shane Albert. And Shane is a previous client of mine, and we had the opportunity of hunting down a parcel um, for him. And so Shane is no stranger to real estate in general. So he owns a variety of rental properties and wanted to buy some recreational land. And as you can kind of, as you'll learn from this conversation, on what he decided to buy, why he did want to buy it, and how he is adding value to that parcel—something we haven't really talked about before here on the Land Podcast. So I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation. I know I did. And uh, super pumped! Shane ended up shooting um, his best deer ever off the parcel that he bought this summer. So really happy for him, and hope you guys find some value here from this conversation. If you're brand new to the podcast, there's a couple things we want to go through. Uh, first one being, thanks for listening. Second one, the goal of this podcast is to simply help 100 people buy their first piece of dirt. If you are one of those folks, feel free to send me an email, contact me, and say hey. I bought my first parcel with the help and information from this podcast. We are chugging right along to getting to that 100 mark. Number two, if you are looking to buy in the state of Illinois, give me a call. I'm happy to help. If you are looking in the area of my expertise, Illinois is a big state, but I'm happy to help if I can. And number three, if you're looking to get connected with someone I would personally do business with, reach out to me and I'll be happy to connect someone with you if I would do business with them. If you're in an area of the country that I really don't know too many folks, then I'll let you know. I don't want to steer someone to uh, someone I don't personally know. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I have a lot of exciting announcements in regard to the Land Podcast that we're getting close to uh, being able to announce. So I'll be happy to share that here very soon. And I apologize that we were short an episode last week. I was uh, not feeling well at all. I had whatever crud is going around and uh was laying low trying to get uh to feeling better so we are back to regular scheduled programming from here on out hope you guys have a fantastic week let's get right into this week's episode shane what's going on hey jake how we doing doing well uh went out hunting this morning saw uh, one buck and a couple doe families and that was the excitement but uh, i had to come in midday get some work done and record an episode with you man I'm, i'm excited for this um yeah, or,
1: well, I'm excited too. Thanks for having
0: me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And so, for everyone, um, just take a second to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, well, I'm Shane Albert. Uh, I live up in Northwest Illinois. Um, I uh, I do uh, equipment sales by trade during my day job, and uh, also dabble in some real estate and and uh, as of late, my biggest thing has been land investing. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, I would say you do a little bit more
0: than just dabble in real estate. Uh, you have <laughs> how many doors do you have right now? Uh, I've
1: got nine doors, uh, I guess actually 10 with the, with the, with the, with the the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: So, uh, 10, 10 doors. And when did you buy your first rental property?
1: Yeah. So my first rental was 2018. Uh, wife and I bought a duplex. Um, the kind of, Even before that, I started, I got into real estate, the kind of how I actually got into real estate was um, buying our own personal house. And uh, we were looking for a house in 2017, 2016, 17, that timeframe, and couldn't really find anything in our price range that we, that fit what we wanted. So we ended up finding a kind of, I don't know, one of those, the best house in the, or the worst house house in the 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 right neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, and it happened to be right next door to my uh, my wife's parents, so we oh, knew nice. the we knew the neighborhood very well. Um, but the house was uh, very affordable, but man, it needed a lot of work. But we we assumed if we ran all our numbers, we could do the work and make it into what we wanted inside of our budget. So we tackled that project, um, gutted the house, um, brand new everything from from you know inside out, roofing, siding. A plumbing, HVAC, you name it, we put in all new. Um, so we had our house that we really wanted. And in that process, I go through, you know, down all these rabbit holes with, you know, how to frame up walls, how to mud drywall, how to, you know, do plumbing. And in that research and and kind of rabbit holes, I found that, hey, there's people that do this for a living and make really good money off of it. And I'm sitting here and watching all my dollars go away <laughs> knowing that they're never coming back, you know, in, in the form of, uh, you know, in, in the same form of dollars. But uh, I, uh, I started going down, you know, the rabbit hole of making money with real estate. So sure enough, we finished our house in 2017. And it was about a year later, that bug that bit me just, you know, I, I, it never went away. Um, so we researched into buy and hold, um, you know, in, in all the research, I found bigger pockets. A huge real estate podcast, got into that really hardcore. And then in 2018, pulled the trigger on a duplex. Um, the duplex was in pretty good shape. It was pretty well turnkey, uh, a couple renters in it. Um, that kind of got me started. And, uh, you know, I don't oh, know, I'll just death. like I said, that, that bug that bit me never, you know, it, kept biting
0: so dude. well i i live this like so every now and then i think people get land fever i live in a constant state of land fever where i'm like always oh, just constantly constantly looking at all times and uh it, i think it's because of land podcasts. i'm talking to people that are jacked up about land all the time sure. too um but i can totally see that as you get going it's like it's just exciting and fun uh no no two deals are the same and it's it's just fun and entertaining not that, like not that you buy a bunch, but you still get to look at so many different deals, and uh, I think that's fun. And that's
1: that's huge. Like that's that's the biggest part of it, and it's probably the most fun. Knowing that, like, we get to a certain point, you know, after you bought your first one, um, you don't feel the pressure to buy another one. But uh, but it's the fun of looking and and window shopping. It's easy to do with real estate and land, and mm-hmm. um, that's one thing that I really like about us. So you can envision everything about it, um, you know, just from a computer screen and you can run all your numbers and you can find out if it's worth, you know, going to take a look at or calling the bank for, you know, pre-approval letter or anything like that. Um and that's like you said, you're kind of in a constant state of it and, and I'm the same way. Um <laughs> <I> find myself <laughs> in a constant state of both real estate now and land and yeah. As you know, I've, we've had conversations about it uh, uh, every day. It's like am I going to am I going to go down the Land, Land. Uh, rabbit hole today, or am I gonna go down the the uh you know the recre or the the building uh, yeah. aspect of it you know the, so
0: the, I mean which is um there's a handful that's one thing I really like about real estate is there's no one way to do it um obviously there's people that have that do both and so they're buying uh, rental properties um and maybe that's helping them pay for a farm maybe that's helping pay for their Wife to stay at home, maybe it is is their end retirement strategy, or there's people that just solely land, buy it, enjoy it, and sell it, and you know, whatever, however that shakes out. Sure. So h- how I guess beyond just making money, obviously that's that's one of the, the goals of getting into rental real estate. But like what other goals got you into that or at least inspiration?
1: Yeah, so it, it's it's really funny. Uh, you kind of gotta go back a little ways. I in my in my personal career or my professional career. Uh, I started out as a fabricator. So I was in um, I was a welding and I went and worked for a manufacturer uh, who manufactures uh, large specialty equipment um, made to uh, hydro excavate and uh, clean sewers and everything like that. So I started out building that equipment and I worked my way up through, um, that's whenever I started looking at real estate is um, I was pretty good at what I did. I liked what I did, but I didn't love it. I wasn't super passionate about it. And as I was fixing this house, I thought, you know, I see these people that make way more than I do uh, doing this. And I enjoyed fixing the house. So the first thought I had of it was, you know, how can I replace my nine to five? Um, That was honestly like the first thing that got me down that rabbit hole. Um, Fortunately, I did enjoy Like I did like the company that I worked for. Um, They treated me really well. I liked that the ownership was fair. Um, you know, which isn't common, or it's not always the case. Um, I shouldn't say it isn't common. I hope it's more common, but uh, <laughs> it's it's not always the case. So I didn't feel like I had to, you know, run away from my job, but it would be nice to have the choice if I wanted to. Um, and throughout that process of me trying to buy rentals to replace income in the same process, I kind of worked my way through that company and, uh, and worked my way into a higher income, to where I would need more rentals if I wanted to replace the income. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself really getting into sales and, and uh, really finding uh, a stride here, what I'm doing now. And, and now I sell the, the equipment that I used to build, um, which has been really cool to see that from start to finish. You know, from You know, I can explain to people how they're built from the ground up, which is really cool. Um, but it's also given me a, you know, a kind of a stationary day job that I really enjoy. I, you know, I don't dread going to work every day now. And I can take that as now another tool to purchase more real estate and land and everything. So it's kind of transitioned from replacing my income to now my my goal is to basically probably a mix between buy recreational land and buy more rentals and Kind of just have a safety net, if that makes sense. If yeah. if anything ever happens, you know we've seen a really crazy couple of years. You never know what's going to happen with a job or a company, with you know uh, transactions and companies getting bought out. You never know what's going to happen, so it's nice to have that extra form of income that I can always kind of bank on, knowing that we don't ever have to change our lifestyle because we've got that passive income via real estate.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely, and that's <clears throat> multiple streams of income. And to your point, a kind of a, a baseline and. I mean 10 doors or nine nine rentals or you know nine nine uh nine rent checks coming in every month it's probably pretty cool uh <laughs> on just a, yeah. a yearly basis something that i i find pretty interesting you know I've, I've got to know you and we'll get into all that but i've got to know you here uh throughout this year and your your job requires a lot of travel which how does that play into your uh, recreational land
1: search oh uh, it's it makes it <laughs> easy and hard at the same time it's uh you love all it's, the areas, probably. The, yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can pick out. Uh, so in in my Northwest Illinois uh, territory, um, it's, I mean, I can travel, you know, I can drive seven hours in a day. Uh, so you want to talk about uh, seeing some deer country. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I've seen the deer country all the way from the Mississippi River to the suburb of Chicago. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot. And, it I, it does give me a lot of time to listen to land podcasts on Monday morning, um, working class bow hunter on on you know the other the Thursdays and stuff like that. So I do um I do get my fair share of uh, of studying and knowledge uh, mm-hmm. via podcasts, but I also get to to your point, you know, I get to see a lot of that land physically, and it's and it's uh, and I always try to find a a, a new route because you never know. What opportunities might come whenever you you take a different route home or something? So, I see those real estate signs in the you know in the fields and and I snap a picture of it. And I'll go home and do some research or maybe I'll call the agent. Um, maybe I'll shoot it to you see if you've ever seen it and mm-hmm. and kind of go that. But it does allow me to see a lot of country and and have a lot of conversations with with as much windshield time as I have.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's definitely an awesome thing about your job and it's not dead time because you're constantly. I mean, you could listen to a book, you can listen to podcasts, you can. Uh, obviously, you're talking to clients and and stopping into these these municipalities and everything else. Um, right. So I think that's something really cool. But as you kind of got through the bigger pockets uh, process, and then you decided. So when did you decide you wanted to buy a piece of ground? I mean, or tell yeah, uh, how'd that evolve?
1: Yeah. So well, I mean, just like everybody probably listening to this, I always want to buy a piece of ground that was always on my radar. Um, in my family, uh, I've got an uncle who has um, who has done very well for himself. Uh, started a business when he was young. Um, just did a lot of really smart things financially, uh, and buying ground was one of his. Uh, you know, he did it smart financially, but he also loved deer hunting and and mm-hmm. and land management, turkey hunting, and and the whole thing. So I watched him do it from from a distance, but I always. I never really thought it was a realistic opportunity for me whenever I was, you know, like I said, a welder in the weld shop, you know, a low man on the totem pole for a while. Uh, it never seemed like it was a real possibility. So I just kind of, I would dream about it, but I never really thought it was a possibility. Uh, as I kind of grew older and I realized, you know, your mindset is everything. And 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 once I started putting the actual possibility of me buying a piece of ground uh, in the forefront of my mind, you know, I'd, at this point I had bought a couple rentals um, my idea was to kind of build the rental portfolio to a certain point. Um, and I'm not quite there yet where I want to be with that re- rental portfolio, but I want to get that to a certain point to where that's kind of just, it's kind of streamlining down payments for property and everything. So I guess once I started getting a handful of rentals and I started seeing, you know, how things you played out on paper, but then you got to actually do it and see how it plays out in real life. Um, you know, whenever you've got repairs to do and you've got late rent checks and things like that, you gotta, you gotta, you'll see how that plays out. Um, But once that started to, you know, I kind of established myself, I really started realizing like, this is actually probably more doable than I ever really thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's about the time, you know, I, I guess after I bought the ninth property, um, we really started realizing that this can, this can happen faster than you think with the right mindset and the right action. Mm -hmm. Um, and I listened to land podcast for probably about a year, um, at the time, maybe a little less than a year, but, and it was about that time. I, I don't know. I just got to a certain point where I'm like, you know, I suffered from analysis paralysis pretty hard for a while. And I finally just said, man, I need to, I need to, you know, I need to do something. I need to pull the trigger. Even if it's just walk a piece of ground, if it's talk to a realtor uh, who knows ground, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I talked to realtors buying the rental properties, but uh, talking to a realtor who, you know, who specialized in ground or had knew why I would be looking for a piece of ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's literally when I was just like, Hey, I follow Jay Cope on Instagram. i sent him a message.
0: So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so cool because I, I'm really appreciative of everyone that reaches out. And uh, there's a lot of people that are, we in the exact same position as you. And I think to your point, getting started is often the, the hardest part. And to your point, maybe just going to look at a piece of ground is a, a great place to start just to kind of go through the motions. But you, so as you built out that portfolio and you realize, okay, well, maybe we can <clears throat> figure something out to get a, a piece of recreational ground. What um, did you have a checklist of what you wanted or was it just kind of because I mean, the, the piece you ended up moving forward with is is really interesting. I want to talk about that here in a bit. But what was kind of your short list of, OK, this is a, I want something that I can obviously hunt on and I want something that's also a sound financial investment.
1: Yeah. So the first thing is my wife doesn't hunt. So she understands how much I love hunting, but if I was going to buy a piece of ground, it had to make sense financially first uh-huh. in order to just check, you know, get past that checklist. Um, so, and, and obviously in my mind, um, you got to look at it the way that, uh, the way that a lot of people have done it before me. So, like I mentioned, my uncle, uh, some of the people that you've had on the land Post, I mean, uh, podcast, I mean, you look at Bill Winky, uh, Skip Sly, some of those guys, and very rarely did anybody just wake up and buy 500 acres, right? Um, most of the people that I'm kind of uh, looking up to or I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm kind of using as mentorship, even if it's from afar, um, they did it. They did it with stepping stones. And so, yeah, whenever I first start looking, yeah, of course, I looked at 500 acre tracks that, you know, were, were turnkey ready to go. But I was looking at that as, uh, what do I got to do to get to that point, right? So mm-hmm. that price tag is 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 not, you know, feasible right now. But um, so what can we do? So I, I would just limit the searches, basically, you know, between fifteen and, and fifty acres. Um, I would look at them, you know, with how much, you know, tillable. Was there any tillable income, CRP opportunity, timber value? um or is it you know is it access uh you know limit you know it might be you know a ton of trees on it that are good and marketable but there's no way to get them off of there those trees are you know they're worthless at that point and 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 we ran into some of those that we looked at but it's really just looking at pieces of ground I kind of mentioned it earlier you can do a lot of homework on a computer screen and a couple conversations with people who know what they're talking about and that can be, that can actually get you farther than a lot of stuff. You know, it it can get you really prepared up front to have those conversations. Then when it comes time to walk a piece of ground, you know, you've got, you've got that checklist already narrowed down. Um, you're not going through and, and learning everything as you're walking a piece of ground. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. But I think everyone kind of has an idea, at least what they, what they think they want. And. And from where that is on day one when they go look to where they end up buying, often probably something different. But at least you're able to go through that progression naturally and figure out. Well, you know, I didn't think this was that important, but then you go walk some farms. Like, okay, well, this is actually pretty important. So um, I think that's that's key. And then so I want to. Uh, so I'm just trying to think of the the way to. So the the piece you ended up buying is is cool, and there's a cool story behind it. But as you were talking with your wife, in your mind, where you think like, man, usually most of these farmettes, they have a really crappy house on them that needs a lot of work or they're really, really nice and we can't afford one anyways right now. And that's not what we want. Like, was that one of your your thought processes? Of like, how can I basically the other thing, how can I create value? So when we walk away from this, we make a little bit of money, hopefully.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And that's that's exactly right. So um, so obviously with, with me buying houses, I Mm -hmm. I really do like that aspect of real estate too. So I look at a house and I, you know, the house that's for sale and I drive by and I say, Oh man, that's got, you know, that's got a nice roof on it. It's got new siding. It's, you know, the, the, you know, everything you get, the windows look fairly new stuff. You can tell by driving by, you know, you can check off a lot of boxes right off the bat. Um, whenever I'd start looking for land, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of search options out there that you can select, you know, with or without a house. So I would start saying, well, what if I threw out the option of what if I bought a fifty-acre tract and I had a house on it and I rent the house to help pay for the land? So I started kind of looking down that route, and and I would find some you know some of those options and the like you said, the house a lot of times was just in you know rundown shape. So after looking at a bunch of them, we kind of uh, we kind of settled on um, we wanted either something that had some really good tillable income that would help make the payment. The main thing was we had to find some way to help make the payment. Right. So we didn't want to to strap ourselves from my day job or, you know, any of my wife's income. We didn't want that to just be gone on a piece of ground um, that we might not get a return on right away. So we decided on something that if we can find something with a structure on it or it had maybe it had just a massive amount of of timber value on it to where, you know, maybe that you could cut that early on and and help make the payment, make the down payment. Um, we looked at all those options and more times than not, the more that were available were the ones with the houses. Um, and we ended up uh, we ended up coming across the the one that we ended up buying. And I think it's really funny. I think I'll always remember. It's like uh, I think you'll have to maybe you can remember the dates exactly. But I think it was within like two weeks of me messaging you on Instagram <laughs> yeah. (laughs) sending you a few farms and, and found this one. Um, I drove by it first and then you set up a meeting and I think we were under contract within maybe three weeks of. of uh,
0: That's a record for sure. But I I would say, um, I mean, I I wanted to go look at it too, because we, there's, everyone is looking to find a good deal period. Like that's, everyone wants to get a deal uh, whether that's you finding unrealized value that other people can't. And I think that was the interesting thing with this parcel was, a lot of those things we talk about uh it was not on like the landwatch.com websites it was i mean i don't i'm not gonna rag on the agent but it it wasn't a really good listing i mean it was okay i mean yeah i I was pleasantly surprised when we went and looked at it like well the house really isn't as bad as it looked uh maybe from pictures wow there wasn't a
1: lot of pictures it wasn't very many pictures
0: these buildings are a lot nicer than what i would have guessed this pasture is pretty cool um so that yeah for sure like that was the things that i recognized right away when we went and looked at it what did, i mean when you went and walked at it what obviously you ended up buying it what were the things that you really liked about it
1: yeah so the uh first thing was uh, that stood out to me was was location and like i said i i drive a lot so i know how uh how convenient it is whenever something's right off an interstate yeah. um and this parcel is about two miles um off of the interstate, off a major interstate up here that runs from Chicago to the Quad Cities. Mm -hmm. So that was huge um, because the way we looked at it, whenever I first looked at it, walked it, I'm like, you know, we liked it. And investment's probably number one, but we also looked at it as, you know, we want to to build a house or live in the country at some point. And so that's also in the back of our mind So whenever I'm looking at it, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to buy this and flip it, rent it, uh, or live in it. Uh, That was kind of the three options whenever we went to walk it. But being right off of the interstate to uh, two major, you know, metropolitan areas in the United States, uh, you know, especially Illinois, was pretty huge, no matter what we wanted to do with it, with whichever, you know, route we went. So that was important. Um, like you had mentioned there was two pole buildings on it that um, that weren't really photographed really well to give you an idea how they were but um, I mean one of them was concrete the other one's all steel um, needs a floor in it and other than that I mean they got electric and they uh, the house is a solid uh, three-bedroom two-bath house that was actually a lot of the work was done already because it was already gutted um, and it had some reframing done already and um, it had been sitting for quite some time. A lot of mice in there, and some old insulation that got wet. But it had a five-year-old tin roof on it. Um, it had all new windows uh, within the last five years or so. It was basically a construction site um, that never got finished. And that was, you know, to a lot of people, that would probably show up as a major red flag or a burden or a, a maybe a maybe a con in your pros and cons list. But for me, it was a pro uh, because a the there's a lot of work that goes into gutting a house and framing a house and 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 the electrical rough end was done and all that stuff is is tough um and expensive but whenever you turn around and start putting it back together that's where the you know that's where my mind started turning and half of that work was already done so that was a big uh, addition and then it's a uh it's a 20 acre perfect rectangle uh with surrounded by farmland um and just kind of the, when i walked it i was like man i don't
0: i think you can probably whack a good deer off this (laughs) because it's just the way it it was really rolling like that train's really rolling there's not a lot of cover nearby and then you have the like the back half of that
1: is this overgrown
0: cattle pasture and i'm like there's some opportunity yeah
1: yeah it's and it's in a good neighborhood i mean i know the neighborhood i I actually um had a permission farm that was about 15 minutes from this place so i know the neighborhood and 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 there's good deer in that neighborhood and i knew that um and then whenever you know we walked it, we walked to the back. I mean, there, like you said, it was an, it was probably a thirty year old cattle farm that's just been growing and nobody's done anything with. So half of it was pretty thick timber, uh, you know, nasty bedding area. You know, nasty to most people, but nasty to us. Gorgeous, is, is yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah gorgeous. <laughs> And then the other half was uh, open cattle pasture that had been overgrown, so it's a lot of grasses and small shrubs, and and actually I found a lot of beds up there this year whenever I hunted it, um, and I did not uh, really expect to. But the way that I saw it, and we whenever we walked it, you know, we we rattled off a, a, some th- things that we could do um, to to improve the, both the land and the and the house. So of course I'm using your expertise to tell me, you know, is there any timber value? Is there any, you know? A, what can we do for land improvement? And then I'm running through the house saying, no, oh, this will cost about 10 grand. This will cost about five grand, you know, and mm-hmm. I'll have about X amount wrapped up into it. And then I think it'll be worth X amount at the end. And by the time we got done with it, between what you thought on the land side and what I thought with the house, um, you know, we, we kind of came up, we, we kind of said, this is this is kind of a no brainer. There's really no way that, that I can lose money on this, um, even at the asking price. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh and one thing that I do, so that's kind of how it went whenever we looked at it. But one thing I want to backtrack and kind of I I need to make sure I mention this is that with uh once I started, I, I bought one of the nine um or some of the nine properties that I bought, I bought in one fell swoop. Um, I bought a uh portfolio from a guy who's retired and wanted to get all the way out of the rental business. Um, I had done, I'd bought a couple other properties on my own. Um, but the uh, the the way that I was able to acquire that is actually um, a relative of mine, my aunt, and her husband uh, also invest in some real estate. And I was on the phone with her at one point in time and, and just bouncing ideas off each other. And she actually uh, brought up the idea of investing together. So what we uh, we were able to do is um, is we were able to uh, basically go in on the nine properties together. And, uh, and we split that up, you know, to where we both benefited, you know, pretty well. Well, whenever this, uh, piece of property came up, it, it kind of was like, Hey, there's an opportunity to make some money here. Um, but in order to basically not strap all my cash, mm-hmm. uh, I, I reached out to her and I said, Hey, would you guys be interested in, in, in investing with this? And we had just walked the property. Right. And yeah. and I explained to her what the property looked like and and the numbers that we had ran. And, um, so we thought it was kind of a no brainer. And after I ran it by her, she must've thought it was a no brainer as well, because <laughs> she said, go ahead, we're in, you know, we want to, we want to do this. And, um, so the, uh, we, we split that up, you know, uh, how it, it benefits both of us and, and we're all happy with it, but, um, kind of, I just want to make sure I throw that in, you know, give her the credit because, um, it would have been very doable, uh, with just my wife and myself but uh it's i'm at the point in my life and in my investing career that um the i can get more by getting other people involved and not just you know not just getting them involved but giving them opportunity as well right so um i like to see that opportunity to to share some of this you know it's a it's an easier cash burden on me for down payments and it's also good investment opportunities for for her and her husband so mm-hmm. Um, so we've been very blessed to have them, uh, you know, kind of along with us, uh, along for the ride with us. Uh, but they, they kind of like what we do and they, they just kind of just let us do our thing with the land and the house. And, and we're in charge of that whole pro- project. Um, and we pretty much just give them updates when, you know, <laughs> when, when, we see them. So hit, hit milestones. So we'll yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, and I think that's, uh, that's something really cool. And it just, once again, shows that there's so many avenues of of getting involved in, whatever your endeavors are. And, uh, I would say, cause, and here's a scoop too, cause some, I guarantee someone's, they heard, well, if this is such a great deal and it was, you know, you guys bought it near list price, then why was it, you know, why didn't anyone else buy it? Well, it was under contract a couple of times. And then it, it fell, th- it fell through. Um, we were able to confirm that it appraised for higher than what the list price was. Um, and so once again, keeping an eye on listings and, um, not every deal gets to the finish line. I mean, that's just the reality of things. And if you're able yeah. to come and, up when it doesn't, sometimes you can you know, get a better deal.
1: Yeah. And, and it was, um and part of the story too, was pretty cool is whenever I drove by it first, cause I didn't, it was a pretty good haul for you to come up and see it. But, so I didn't want you to come up if it was, you know, if I pass it on the road and said, nah, that ain't, you know, it's not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, So I drove by it one day and I said, well, it, it looks pretty good, but it's so hilly that you can't see the whole property. So, Going to need to walk it, but when I drove by, that actually the neighboring property was for sale as well, yeah, and it was under contract. And um, I was able to actually uh, take a tour of that place. Um, uh, the uh, and, and to be honest, at the time, I hadn't made up my mind on you know what I was going to buy, so this was a little uh, similar house, but it was it was livable on 10 acres. So with one outbuilding, so it's a fairly comparable uh, piece of ground and right, right next door. The road. Yeah, literally adjacent. And it's just impossible to find a, it's so hard to find a comparable uh, to a, a farm at, in the country in a certain area. And I found one right next door. So I was able to go down and, and like I said, at this point in time, we hadn't walked the ground yet. We hadn't walked the, the farm that I ended up buying, but we were able to look at it and say, hey, if this... You know if you know obviously if this was a better piece of ground and a better fit i would have totally pulled the trigger on that one instead um but i was able to get the price and you know the asking price and they were under contract but if that had fallen through um you know i was next in line to get a phone call to say hey it's it's up for sale again um which gave us the opportunity to, to look at the 20 acres that we bought and saying hey if the house next door nicer house less ground one less building went for this much and this one's for sale through here and this much, how much work it needs. It gave us a perfect roadmap Mm -hmm. And I think that was the most important thing I did was I drove by and I, instead of just driving on by, I stopped, you know, and and I knocked on the door. That's the sales guy. (laughs) It is. It's true. It's just in my blood. Um, But if I hadn't done that um, we might've walked the other piece of ground and thought, man, it's it's really not, maybe it's not worth it, but knowing what the neighbor, you know, was under contract for or or what their asking price was, was Mm -hmm. that gave us a a major advantage on looking at the piece we bought.
0: Yeah. I I would agree with that. And, um, and meanwhile, so you started the, the house project, you were managing that and then, um, scooped up a tractor and then you did some work yeah. on the farm too. And then, um, I don't want to like, and then you also
1: shot the biggest
0: deer of your life too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> to cut right to it. So, yeah. So you're right. We closed in June. Um, we, we looked at the, we looked at the farm in, in, in May uh, so it was a right on the, the tail end of good time to look at ground, but we closed in June. Um, the first thing I did is went out and bought a little 25 horse tractor. Um, you got to have one of those for, for doing the projects that I had in mind, which wasn't a whole lot. There was a lot of overgrown um, junk around the yard and there was some scraps and some old hog panels and things like that. It just, nothing that a good chainsaw and a, and a small tractor couldn't handle. So Um, so I, that's where I started, started, uh, hacking away at overgrown trees and, and cleaning up as much as I can. Uh, got a con with the nine rental properties. I've come in contact. I've got a really good contractor that I, that fixes up a lot of my stuff for me. Um, with my job, it just doesn't allow me to be the guy who can go fix a toilet at any, you know, at any time. So, um, sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, but, uh, so he's the one who got started on the house for me. He got all, you know, put all new siding on it, uh, gutters, two new decks, got all the outside stuff done before winter. And now we're rolling on the inside and, uh, uh, got that little tractor. First thing I wanted to do was carve out a little food plot in the back corner, right up next to the bedding. Um, so it didn't lay out perfect for, a uh, for predominant wind, but, um, it would be just fine for a North wind, uh, anything westerly. Uh, straight west would be a no go. Uh, northwest uh, would be really, really iffy. Um, but that'll play into a part of the big buck story. But why, when I carved out that food plot, it laid out perfect because it, it was butted up to a corner uh, right off the bedding. And I, I figured if I can stay close to that bedding um, with the square access or the rectangle shape of the farm, the access is uh, through the um, through the fence rows is is actually really easy. And I was actually able to lay out, cut some trails through the pasture uh to, to access where I would put a um like an elevated blind uh into this food plot. And so I, I bring in the the mower and the tractor, got everything cut, uh got a food plot planted. It was uh it came up decent. It it was the first year established, uh definitely didn't come in like I would want it to, but it it, it did pretty well. Um once that was established. I wish I threw, uh, well, I guess I should go back. The first thing I did is hung a trail camera, right? No, of what course. we all do is we walk through the ground. So I threw up a trail camera on, and I tell everybody this is so relevant. On uh, July 6th at 7.30 in the afternoon, I threw up a trail camera, uh, got my picture of me in front of the trail camera testing it, and then the very next picture at 3.42 in the morning, uh, I got a picture of it. This is July 7th. I've got a picture of a deer that is already well past his ears, 10 established points, probably already scores 130, 140 inches. In and July. you can just, and just the horse of a body, just a. so I send you that picture and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> first <picture. laughs> The very first deer I get a picture of is a, you know, potential giant. So, um, so that was really cool. Uh, hung up a bunch more trail cameras, you know, wanted to know how the deer treat this little 20 acre piece, uh, how they, you know, they move through it and everything like that. So in the, in the whole midst of, and this is kind of silly, but I probably had seven trail cameras on this little 20 acres at (laughs) at some point. Um, some of them were just in the backyard to kind of monitor any, you know, foot traffic or any, you know, any, you know, vehicle traffic that might pull in there while we're not there. And those are the ones that picked up more deer than anything. The ones right in the right in the backyard. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's literally there is a there is a rub right off. It's really cool. the The back uh, deck goes down a little hill. There's a little uh, kind of hangout area with the fire pit, and right at the bottom of the, right on the backside of the fire pit's a a you know real young walnut, you know, couple inches in diameter, and it just got destroyed this year, uh, you know, and it's fifty yards from the back door. It's wild.
0: <laughs> and so um, there were some other bucks too, running through that property throughout the year too. Yeah. And so as you were going through, I mean, what was your level of expectation to connect with that deer? Cause I mean, 20 acres, that's a small parcel. I mean, there's no way around it. Um, but it's once again, the surrounding area, like that 20s, <laughs> up uh, like there should be a multiplier on how the how impactful that 20 acres is versus another 20 acres in another neighborhood
1: yeah absolutely and it is and, and that's the other thing to look at whenever you're looking at a piece of ground is is looking at the neighborhood in general and and I've I've heard it said before and now I've lived it but I would rather take the right 20 acres in the right spot than the wrong 200 because <laughs> that's a real thing and i looked at this one and everything to the south of me is basically one big fence row that dwindles into nothing and then it's a mile of field and ag until the next timber block so there's not you know it's kind of the 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 edge of where they run and then everything to the north of me is fantastic habitat broken up with some houses and 10 acre pieces uh with people who don't do any hunting they they've got horses and you know, they, they chop firewood in the backyard and they're not putting a lot of pressure on the place. And then even little, you know, back in that same neighborhood with the, with the row of houses, uh, it's about 400 acres worth of, uh, guys that are doing something similar to me, which is, you know, passing on smaller deer, uh, looking for big deer They're you know, they're managing and it's only two guys hunting that 400 acres. So, it's uh, between the, wow. you know, the, the few of us that are hunting out there, it's actually a, you know, really safe place for a buck to grow. And you're right. I, there was a, there ended up being three deer that, that were on my hit list off of this farm, which when you and I walked it, uh, we joked about maybe finding a, you know, 70 inch shed off of, off of the place. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I would have never guessed that that would have actually been a, a, a real possibility. And, ended up getting uh, the, the deer that I shot and then another 150 class 10 pointer and then probably 135, 140 class eight pointer that I think was mature. Um, that to come off of all the beyond 20 acres in addition to probably 10 does that at least they were frequenting it every day. I mean, it, they might not have been betting on me, but they were close and I had a lot of good hunts out there. Um, unfortunately, I, fortunately and unfortunately- <laughs> Um, I didn't get to see what that food plot to really do late season because, um, it's, it's, you know, tagged out Sometimes. being too coy, <laughs> being
0: too coy about it, bucked out. Yeah, um, yeah. and so <laughs> you mentioned, uh, significant dates, July 7th, and then, uh, I'm just curious cause I haven't, I haven't heard the full story. How, how exactly did that hunt and leading up to it unfold? Yeah.
1: So, um, so like I said, I had an eight pointer that I, and I had pictures of this deer showed up again in September. Um, it gave me a really beautiful picture, three pictures in a row, broadside, turning back, looking at the camera, split brows, uh, short G2s, big 10, uh, with the split brows. He's a 12. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's not just moving through in the summertime. Uh, he's here in September too. So I'm like, well, let's see how long he hangs around. And then uh, came October. Um, I got to hunt it a couple times. Never saw him. I uh, didn't put a lot of pressure on it in October with 20 acres. I mean, it's, the wind's got to be perfect, or the or it's got to be the right time of year. So mm-hmm. I hunted. I got another lease and a couple other permission farms. I I spent some more time there. And uh, and then I threw a trail camera out just right along the trail that I used to take my tractor to that food plot. And I put a mock scrape up in a trail camera. And I got within, on October 16th, I got, uh, I got this deer, uh, the 12 pointer and the big 10 pointer within an hour and a half of each other visiting that scrape. Mm. So that told me that I'm in the, you know, I'm in, I'm in the neighborhood. I'm in, I'm in, you know, we're in the game. So I had to wait for the right wind. I hunted it once with the right wind. Didn't see, didn't see anything more than a, a small buck and, and several does, um, and then I started getting into November um, with the hot weather we had this year. Um, I chose to kind of bank some of those vacation days and and throw them more towards cold fronts and, um, you know, more productive uh, forms of activity. With, with my job, it's, you know, one day it can be dead and one day it can be, your phone can ring off the hook. And I thought, well, why be in a tree stand when it's 70 degrees with the wrong wind? Um, So I saved those days. And then on November, I hunted pretty hard when the weather turned right around that 9th, 10th, and 11th. I hunted pretty hard and uh, jumped in a, actually got a picture of the 8-pointer on the 9th, the 11th, and the 12th. I got a picture of that 8-pointer leaving my food plot. So whenever he was leaving my food plot, it was at, at the first night, it was at midnight, then it was at 2 a.m., and then it was at 5.45 in the morning. And I was like, man, he's knocking on the door of daylight. He, if he keeps getting later in the day, I might be able to catch him leaving my food plot. Mm-hmm. So on the 13th, um, I got I to gotta give a shout out to Cole because I told Cole, I said, this deer is in my food plot. So Cole's a buddy of mine that, that I leased another piece of ground with. And, uh, and he's had a pretty rough year, uh, with being able to hunt and, and just not seeing the deer that he's had on camera. And it's just, he's had a really rough year. And I told him, I said, Cole, I said, this deer is in my 20 acres. I said, I really would like to get him shot. Um, why don't you come out and and hunt that 20 acres with me? There's two spots that we can both be in and we should get at least a look at this deer. And he says, yeah, I'm in cool. Let's do it. At 30 in the morning, he texts me and says, man, I'm coming down with whatever my wife is and kids have had. I'm not going to be able to sit in a tree. I'm I'm sorry. And I said, all right, that's no, no big deal. At least that's it. not like four uh, o'clock
0: in the morning before you're getting ready to meet for up. For sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, and of course, whenever your phone goes off in November at 1.30 in the morning, you think it's your cell camera. So I'm waking up and I see the text and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to go to the blind then because that's where I told him, I'm like, you can go to the blind because it's easy to get to. And uh, so I get up early in the morning, knowing that this deer's coming in very early. And there was calm and northwest wind. So you remember, I talked about the winds being the northwest wind is very, very borderline for for this uh, for this food plot. Uh, I was set up with an arrow knocked with, and it was a lot of moonlight. But I was set up with an arrow knocked at 5:30, knowing that those deer could come. You know, that deer could come through really early, and I wanted everything to be settled down by the time I got there. So. Perfect cold frosty morning, 20 degrees or so, flip the windows open, deer comes out, doe and a fawn and uh, two more deer come out and literally the whole food plot fills up with like seven or eight deer in in the food plot within from six to 25 yards. And it is no, very little wind, but what wind is coming is coming kind of over my back and quartering off of the edge of this food plot. So any deer that comes over to my right is gonna, I'm gonna be in trouble. Anyway, a small buck comes in, chases off a doe over my shoulder, and then another doe comes into the field, and she is on me the whole time, knows I'm there, pinpoints me. I said, all right, uh, I'm, I I can't move. I'm holding my bow, knowing that any time, just starting to get light, at any time, this deer could pop out, the, the one I was after. I hear uh, all their heads whip up and look over my left shoulder. There's the doe walking in the field and in the food plot. I thought that was the same doe that the small buck had ran off. And then all their heads whip around to my right, and I, I can hear deer walking over my right-hand shoulder, and I hear a grunt, and I thought, well, that's that small buck that just chased off that doe. And I look over my right-hand shoulder, and eight yards from the redneck blind I was sitting in, uh, this <laughs> giant 12-point frame deer that I knew who he was is walking eight yards from my blind into the, to, to bump these does around. Um, he ends up coming out uh, and literally getting at that quartering wind, he walked right into it in my corner that I could not shoot. I was in a blind spot of the blind and I didn't have that window open and he gets to that corner and he did not tolerate my scent like those, those did. And he bolted shot straight forward, um, ran out to 30 yards. Um, I knew it was, you know, he turned back and looked at me. I knew I had to do it now. Yeah, uh, I drew back a uh, shot, man, the shot really felt great when I released, but as I was watching that, the lighted knock fly through the air. I saw the blob of brown move to the left behind it and he started to take off. Um, I it was fortunate and unfortunate. I hit him uh, right in front of the back hip uh, which knocked him down right away. as soon as the arrow hit, um, I saw the blood start dumping and I hit that aortic artery up above, uh, up along the along the spine but um, it didn't take long uh, as soon as I knocked him down, I had another arrow. Um, I, I, I put a, put one in double lung, uh, uh-huh. finished him off and, and no blood tracking, no running onto the neighbors, no finding a dog like I've had to do in the past and, no drama, uh, other than you know, than killing the deer. No drama after the shot. So yeah, um, very fortunate. And of course, I knew who the deer was, and I was pretty overcome with emotion, knowing that the moment that I closed on that farm, thinking, man, I should, you know, this should be a pretty sound investment financially. If I could shoot a big deer off of it, what an absolute bonus that that would be. You
0: said that when we were walking it, <laughs> and you're like, man, to be cool, like just to make some money off of it, but be really awesome to shoot a big deer <laughs> and I said well I think there's an opportunity here and sure enough that's exactly what happened he he's a heavy deer yeah I gotta see him not too long ago yeah a heavy deer uh um, yeah beautiful chocolate rack
1: yeah so it was uh it was pretty special and I had I don't know I'd have to count back I think I've got probably 15 trail camera pictures of him probably on four different occurrences you know him just hanging out in front of a trail camera but um yeah, we, we green scored him right at 163 and a quarter. Um, it, and that's my biggest deer that I've ever shot. Um, which was obviously, it doesn't matter when you shoot your biggest deer or how you shoot your biggest deer, it's special, yeah. but to do it off a piece of ground that we were able to, you know, to, to, to find a way to purchase. Yeah. Um, and to be the first year that I killed off of that farm, the first picture I got of him, um, just i mean it's it i'm not uh immune to the fact that it doesn't happen like that very often and, and i'm and I'm, i tell people still i'm still soaking it in you know it's december 1st today i'm still uh soaking it in from from november 13th 100 so. percent. yeah that's
0: that's really special I'll, I'll have i have a sour version of that the first farm i bought uh very first picture is a six by five and, uh, there was pictures from the year before and I was like, okay, he was probably four last year. like six. So long, long story short, I saw him. This is early. This is in August six by five, like probably one sixty five type deer, um, got hit by a car. So he was on the oh. farm. All, he was on the farm all the time <laughs> and uh, I was staying out of there and then he started a daylight and I went and, and pulled this, uh, a lift too. And it was on video mode. And, uh, there was another, like, three or four year old nine point, like nice deer. And it was harassing the six by five. And I'm like, that's weird. And you could just see his back hips are broken. And then I uh, uh, figured out and I was like, what? I talked no, to the, man. I talked to the neighbors and they're like, yeah, we found him dead. He was just right down here at the end of the road. Man, like, oh. So, but there is the power of the first picture. I think there's a trend there. Uh, I've had other guests too, where like the first year they see is the one they end up connecting with. So I think, uh, you know, it, it, depending on how it ends, is it's up to you sometimes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it was uh, one other noteworthy thing is, and the story of my year was, um, I, up until I shot that deer, um, I did not see a mature buck on the hoof. I had hunted pretty hard, mm-hmm. and I did not get a chance or or sighting of, or anything of a mature buck until that deer walked by, um, and everything turned after after he walked by. Um, but it it was the, I never got a daylight picture of him. I never, uh, I never saw him on the hoof, but the, the point was, is that I was, is that I was there and, and I was there in after that eight pointer who actually, I had a trail camera picture of shortly after this buck. And it would have been shortly before this buck showed up. So I, I, I think, I don't know if I would have seen him where I got his trail camera picture. I'm not sure if he was headed my way or not. He definitely could have, but I had two shooter bucks on my farm within 50 yards of me that morning. Um and that I mean it it, it's uh excuse me it's pretty it's pretty wild to think about and I still pinch myself sometimes because whenever you're buying a looking at a piece of farm or you're looking at a farm or a piece of ground that's exactly what you're hoping for yeah and uh, for that to actually happen uh you know well and I think it's yeah the other thing too
0: like with that listing is you don't you didn't really know anything going into it i mean we, there was no trail camera pictures the guy didn't deer hunt couldn't care about deer and so like yeah. there there is a level of unknown but now there's a, a proven track record of that and so the next person going into it there is no
1: unknown because it's, it's yeah. proven. yeah and in this time i've tried i've tried and tried especially after i shot that deer i tried to convince my wife to make that house exactly you know uh <laughs> appealing to her, because um, uh-huh. I would love to live down there. But uh, it is about 45 minutes from our house. Now, uh, the house is a little bit smaller than the one we live in. Now, um, we'd have to build a garage. So there's a few things that kind of check it off of the list for us to live in. But that was a potential when we bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we think what we're going to do is probably we're going to fix it up um, and uh, and and feel the market. Um, if if the market's not there, then uh, then we're going to be fine with with, uh, probably renting it and I'll continue to hunt it. Maybe shoot those here yeah. uh, next year. But, uh, we, uh, the, the first choice is probably going to be to put it back on the market as a, you know, and, and a, a lot turn, of a turnkey
0: farm, a turnkey format, which there's not yeah. a lot of those. I mean, there's, there's really just not that many.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and we've talked since, like I'm, i try to keep an eye on the market and keeping an eye on the market for a piece of ground or a house is fairly easy. Uh, Trying to find a you know the market for a piece of uh, a, a house with a small piece of acreage uh, they don't come up that often and uh, so it's been even hard to keep track of the market while, while we get it fixed up and uh, get it ready for market so it, it's kind of that's probably a good thing for us because it's going to be you know um, it's there's probably going to be the right buyers looking for you know hey I I've had to drive you know in my situation all my farms that I have to hunt the, the closest one is this one and it's 45 minutes away. Um, the farthest one is about four and a half hours, about four and 15 minutes. So, uh, I've got, you know, the, a long drive, a guy like me that I'm, Hey, I could buy 20 acres and hunt right in the backyard and not only shoot a deer, a doe for the freezer or small buck for the kids or anything. I mean, you know, 160 class, 150 class deer running around the neighborhood. Um, that's, that's something that, you know, it's, you don't really find that uh, in in a in a real estate listing on Zillow or Realtor very often, you know.
0: No, absolutely not. And I, to your point, there you have a lot of options. You can sell the farm, you can rent it if you want to. Maybe try. I know you talked about Airbnb, possibly or like short term rental. Yeah. Um, so you have multiple, you know, ways to basically service that debt or pay that debt or and still have a farm that i mean because le- leasing is expensive man uh i've had a couple come through um here recently like, hey do you know anyone leasing i was like
1: man people, people could just buy just buy a farm man <laughs> like, no, i'm not saying well, you buy a big one but you can get yeah. something well and and that's exactly right and that's another reason that i that i started really looking hard at, at buying because we do lease a farm I, my my buddy cole and i lease a farm together and and it's not cheap to do um it's a really good farm but uh but it's not cheap and, Whenever you look at the, you know, where your money's going, um, it's got to be a really good scenario to to make leasing a um, better option than buying. Sometimes it is. Uh, some situations it is, but um, I, uh, I, I, to, I guess I should add. You know, I shot um, uh, just, just to add to your leasing story. I shot another buck um, shortly shortly thereafter, <laughs> and after I I posted that one to social media, and a couple of my colleagues that I work with that are out of state. Um, I, same thing. I had multiple people asking, you know, do you got anywhere to le- you know, any leases yeah. available? And, and, and that's, it's, it's the kind of the power of, you know, you've said it before in this podcast before that, uh, big deers changed the market, uh, big time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could have, I could have, you know, I could have seen a farmer bragging about maybe 200 yield corn, uh, and that probably wouldn't draw an out-of-state, you know, farmer. But he <laughs> shoot 160 inches,
0: <laughs> dude. That's <laughs> and they, so true. And they come back and, Yeah, so. I've noticed a lot of a lot more people um, are not posting the deer that they kill on social. Period. They're or, yeah. or they're waiting till the end of the year. Or they're waiting till the end of the season. Um yeah. I think that's a trend that's going to continue. Uh, I really do it. Just it, a lot of it's for that reason. 100. Um, but, but then it's like you want to. You still want to share it you still want to like tell the story yeah. you still have friends and family but i mean i think that i think people are going to continue to become there was a golden era of where you could find just about any damn deer that got killed on the internet like
1: mm-hmm.
0: i would say like 2015 2017 maybe yeah. 18 and then like more and more people are just going recluse which i yeah i somewhat understand
1: and, and i 100% understand it um it, in my situation man I just try to look at. I try to assume that there's more good out there than bad, and um, and I try to treat people, you know, with respect and as much as possible. I try not to step on any toes whenever I'm looking at land or permission or anything like that. And and um, I like to think that that's that's everywhere, and I think it probably is. The the bad probably gets a little bit more highlighted than the good. But um, for me, like you said, you want to enjoy it. You want to share it with. You know, I got. You know, uh, there's just so many so many friends that I, that the only communication you have anymore is, is social media yeah. and, 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 and work colleagues and everything. So, um, I, I'm still okay with posting. I, you know, keep, Mark, Mark, my vague. words though,
0: there's going to be a lot more of uh Oh, you didn't hear like, or like, I, I don't know. I've just seen that. I've seen that with conversations and I, that's just, that is a trend that is right. happening and occurring. So um, you're
1: absolutely right. But yeah. I, I, just a, one last thing on the deer story. So I, I shot him on November 13th. That was the Sunday, um, the weekend before the first gun season here in Illinois. Uh, and then I had to spend some time working, uh, all week long and getting ready for, uh, getting everything ready to make our uh, trip down South, my annual trip down South. And, uh, so we went down to Southern Illinois at my uncle's cabin, who i mentioned earlier, who's, um, we've hunted down there. He's on that ground for uh, 20 plus years. And, uh, and yeah, uh, Friday morning, uh, eight o'clock, <laughs> I was able to you uh, tag my second buck. So, um, and another slammer, too. Yeah. So, eight, point frame. My, eight my point frame. Biggest. Yeah. My number one and my number two bucks uh, that I've ever killed. So, he's a mainframe eight with uh, 15 scoreable. Um, yeah. With everything on the, the bases Base, yeah. and the kickers. And, yeah. For uh, anyone he, listening, he scored, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, well I was just going to say he, <laughs> he grows scored 156 and uh-huh. three eights.
0: Yeah. Those for, for anyone listening, he's got all those sneaky points on the back of the brow times that you don't get to see in a trail camera uh, picture typically. Um, but no, man, I, I was so jacked for you when he sent that first one. And then I think it was shotgun season. Like, Hey dude, you're not going to believe it. I was like, man, I won't. <laughs> but like, Hey, I was, I'm, I'm so happy for you on all accounts. What, um, what's something that you would do again as of right now for the next farm that like, maybe buying this when you're like, okay, I for sure would do this again. Or maybe there's like, uh, I don't know if I'll do this one again. Like whatever attribute.
1: Yeah. So the, for sure. The one thing I'll look at my next, probably several farms is um, depending on the size and the situation of the, of the farm, but is looking for that, that stream of income that can, that can help you pay for at least the down payment. Maybe, maybe even a, even a monthly payment. If, if you, you know, you short-term it or, or, or rent, Maybe even a good example is one of the pole buildings down there. Um, I, I'm renting out for $25 a month. we got to put his boat in there. Um, I'm not using that storage space for anything else. It's an extra $25 a month in my pocket for the winter and, you know, that's going to pay for a little bit of diesel for the tractor. Uh, you know, you got to look at all different aspects. And some farms that, you know, we've looked at, they've got interstate uh, traffic and you could throw a billboard up. You could, uh, you know, you could clear out a space and, and put storage containers looking at, looking at a piece of ground with a, with a that either already has a source of income but thinking outside the box a way to 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 force appreciation or force a source of income um, that's one thing that's that's on my checklist for probably the next two or three properties uh, that that we want to buy and and the reason that I say that is eventually you get to a point where you just want to buy a piece of ground because it's what you want right yeah. so I don't care if it's got marketable timber. It's got, you know, it's got the terrain. It's got the area. It's got the size. It's got, you know, it checks all the other boxes. Right now, probably the number one box on there. Uh, maybe number two boxes is, is going to be checking the or is going to be uh, income and and a, a way to to help pay for itself. And there's so many different ways to do that. And that's where a really good uh, land agent and I've been leaning on you pretty hard for this is is finding out what that is via. CRP, timber value, uh, you know, uh, the crop uh, production or the crop rents, um, all those ways. But then on top of that, if there's a building on it of any kind, you know, can you rent that out as storage? Could you rent that out as livable? Um, You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a a lot of different ways that you can go about something like that to, um, to uh, help make that payment or, Help you establish that piece of property.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think you can look at a farm that's two hundred and fifty thousand uh with no income. And then you can look or excuse me. Yeah, let's say two hundred and fifty thousand, or you can look at a farm that's maybe five hundred thousand and has, you know, ten thousand dollars of income through CRP. Yeah. There would be almost an identical payment. Um yeah. obviously you don't want to be slave to a payment, but just look at it that way. And then, you know, maybe that 250000 dollars one achieves your goals more because it's better deer hunting than the one with the income on it. So it's like to your point, it's all related to what your goal is. And and if you're at the point where you just want to farm because you that's exactly what you want. That's then. what,
1: Yeah. Because it fits. Right. right. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so, no, I think yeah. that's that's important. Any other words of advice for someone that's like, you know, because I think a, uh, some of the guys I talk to, they're like, I don't know if I want to start buying some rental units or if I want to buy land. And uh, you're a guy that's done both. I mean, what would you say to that guy?
1: Yeah. So uh, on rental units. It, it, it definitely takes the right, you got to have the right expectation and right mindset. Um, I will tell you, do your research on it and talk to people that actually do it because, and they, and and I'm talking people that do it for maybe not a living, but they do it a lot. They own a lot of units. The, it's an age old saying, you know, oh, you don't want to be changing, fixing leaky toilets at 2 a.m. I can tell you, I've never got to call at 2 a.m. I can tell you, uh, I've never come across something that wasn't fixable um, and, and I've set myself up to have the means to fix something, uh, and, and basically a, just not be a, you know, the term slumlord gets thrown around a lot. Um, you gotta have the mindset that I'm going to, I'm going to make this a really nice place so that these people, people want to live to get, there. And they, yeah. Yeah. And and the nicer it is the the nicer, um, you know, tenant you're going to have, uh, don't be afraid of, of a rental property just because somebody else's horror story, because, um, sometimes there's things that happen out of your control, but um even the horror stories that I have, um, that some of them were my fault. I, you know, I accepted a tenant that was, you know, that I inherited a tenant and I I maybe I, you know, shouldn't have, or I I let things get to the point where they got, or something like that. But even the the worst horror stories that you're gonna read about. Um, is maybe like five percent of the time. And sure. it's just it's it's you don't need to be that afraid of it because I do think that even if you bought one piece that made two hundred dollars a month, um doesn't sound like a whole lot, but uh, say you, you you know your next thing was a piece of land and your land payment was nine hundred dollars a month. well, you you just dropped it down to seven hundred. seven hundred dollars a month for some people is you know very doable for. You know, piece of ground that's their passion. So, yeah. if you want to look at it as a piece of like, uh, you know, uh, income that's going to help you pay for your passion, which is kind of what what I did and what I'm trying to do, is um, that's a really good way to look at it. Uh, on the land side of things, the the biggest thing that that I'd have to say is um, is is do as much homework as possible um, and reach out to a land specialist or uh, somebody who's good at land. Um, and not just, uh, you know, your, your run of the mill realtor, uh, who does a lot of houses, they might be the best realtor in the world, but, um, evaluating the lifespan of a roof and evaluating a timber is two totally different things. Um, and, and then I wouldn't say, I would say, you know, be respectful of their time. You know, you don't want to drag them around all the, the, the pieces that you find. You want to do that research ahead of time, ask the questions and, that's kind of what I've tried to do with you is kind of lean on you for, yeah. you know, for your knowledge of certain areas, for certain, you know, pieces of timber. And we look at them pretty hard on paper and on a computer before we decide that, you know, we want to spend our time walking it. Because, yeah. you know, you and I are both, uh, you know, we, you and I are both plenty, plenty busy. we got plenty going on. Uh, yeah. We can't just go walking around any farm as much as I would love to. I, yeah, I, would, walk, love, I would love I, to. I would absolutely <laughs> love to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's looking for excuse
0: I'm usually looking for an excuse to go walk one just to go <laughs> because I'm curious. Yeah. Um, but yeah. no, I think that's really good advice because, you know, I think a real estate agent may be less likely to answer their phone if they're like, man, I don't want to go on a wild, another wild use chase today. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the the truth of it, but no. Okay. So you have to answer this in under 10 seconds. I gave you a million dollars. I say you can only buy land. You can only buy uh, rental properties. What are you buying? I'm buying land. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know how you'd answer that. Um, well, I tell you what, I'm really pumped for you. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for the season that you had. Um, very curious to see how the end um of the house project finishes and where things kind of just naturally uh go from there, and then maybe what the next farm may be. Really excited for you. Um, where a lot of people listen to this, so maybe there's someone that is in municipalities in Illinois or in your sales territory. Uh, go ahead and plug. Go ahead and plug whatever you want. There's there's a slim a slim chance. Yeah. Someone might yeah well, some equipment and, from you. and
1: not only, uh, and I, I represent some good products that are all over the country. So, um, if, uh, if there, anybody works for a municipality or, a or a uh, construction company that uses, uh, uh, heavy equipment, um, you can go to brown Uh, it's the name of the company that I work for. Um, you can go to uh, the website and you can see a list of all of our product lines. And if there's anything on there that you guys use uh, the highlights that a municipality would recognize is a, is a combination sewer cleaner, a street sweeper, uh plow trucks, um, a bunch of stuff like that. But there's a whole slew of products that we carry. Uh, just go to our website and find that. Um, you reach out to me uh, via uh, Instagram is probably one of the easiest ways. I, I'm on it a lot. I don't, I'm I kind of on and off of posting a lot. Sometimes I get on a streak where I post quite a bit and then I, then I get busy and I don't, but uh, that is uh, Shane Albert Nine. Awesome. And uh you message me on there.
0: Yeah, Shane, thank you so much. Like I said, congratulations on a a, a dream season might even be a, a short way to sell. Oh it is, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um so no, I really appreciate your time and uh look forward to connecting here again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Jake. I appreciate it. Uh good luck the rest of your you're your, your due next. I, I can't wait to get <laughs> text from you. Uh so we, we can celebrate together. Grinding, It'll happen uh, maybe next year or this year. Who knows? <laughs> A lot of season left, man. You'll do it. Yeah.